Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Over 250,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Check out the podcast's homepage at www.therobburgessshow.com and check out my website at www.thisburgess.com. Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 35th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, and 34 of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over nine years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation, hopefully, talk pretty one day. And now, on to the show. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I found it to the gym again. <laughs> I didn't go for three months. But, uh, yeah, hope spring's eternal. <laughs> I hope I go to the gym. Mhm. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how fit I am for. Yeah, you can record it, but we may have to heavily edit it because I've been sick as a dog since last Saturday. Well, I, I, I was I was saying when I was agreeing with you about being sick, I was doing so in an emotional sense and also in a physical sense because we've all been sick. Like I. I missed a, a day at work, and uh, Ash has been sick, and, and Harper too. So we're we're all coming down with it right now. Oh yeah, I think it's uh, I don't know. I had about twelve hours of rage the day after the the day of the election, hmm. and uh, I think it just sapped my energy. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a crazy work month here because uh, I've been teaching at a high school, so I work in the early morning. I work in the, all through the late morning and afternoon, and then I work all the way through 9.40 p.m. too, so I'm working like over, not, not 12 hours in the classroom, but I'm working like about 14 hours without much of a break. I mean, you know, I've got an hour or two transport between the high school stuff. Which is another thing that pisses me off in this fucking Trump letter say, oh, you know, the injury, the injury calls will all be for injury, but after that it'll be the Republicans, because we're just getting off work. Stereotype of the the lazy liberal is is uh, way overblown. Yeah, it's a, it's a goddamn joke. Um, so you know, um, yeah, it's a bad situation. But Hillary, Hillary is uh, she was uh, nobody's fault but her own. I think well, there's, there's a few people to blame, but at the end of the day, I don't know. I think. Uh, I don't know. I think Barack Obama made some big mistakes. Uh, 
Number one, I was appointing James Comey, evidently. Well, or just ke- or, or, well, wasn't he just keeping him on from the previous administration, though? I don't remember, but yeah, I'm sure he made a big show of how he was reaching across the aisle, right? Something like that probably was part of the appeal of it all. But hmm. um, you know, no, I think in the future, uh, Democrats need to have a scorched earth policy. If we win the election, throw all you scumbags out. You don't get to keep your position. We don't care if you're like the, you know, the the county clerk or the dog collector or whatever the hell. <laughs> like you're out. We're bringing our own people in because we don't trust you bastards. Um, and number two was not really pushing for Merrick Garland or whatever to get his, uh, you know, number one, I think appointing Merrick Garland was a joke. It's not a, you know, again, stop trying to meet the conservatives halfway. There's no point in it. They don't appreciate it. They don't respect it. And they certainly won't reciprocate. So, Mm -hmm. um, the fact is, after it became evident that, the, that they, he was not going to get a uh, up or down vote, I think Obama should have just kept putting forward new people going farther left wing every time, because the Republicans didn't know that they were going to win this election. Well, I, I, I think I think even Trump has been quoted as saying he was surprised, and I think everyone around him was kind of shocked. And I also think, in, on the other side of it, Hillary Clinton apparently didn't come out that night because she didn't have a uh, you know concession speech prepared. Um, she wasn't pre- even she wasn't even prepared for the possibility that this could happen. Yeah, well, I, I have two theories. One was that she was crying and wouldn't stop crying, and the other is that she didn't have a speech prepared to concede. So. I don't know. Either way, I, you know, I don't think it's sexist to say that she might have been crying. I think that that's like the fact is she's been preparing herself for this moment for, you know, I don't know, over eight years at least. And, Longer than that. Know, and it seems totally within her grasp. But I mean, any Democrat should have won this election. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, she kept not doing things that everybody told her she should do. But she thought she knew better, and all the establishment Democrats thought they knew better. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know, I think for again with Barack Obama, I, you know, there's no way to there's no way to push Merrick Garland or any any uh, Supreme Court pick in right now because because Barack Obama already tipped his hand that he was willing to play the game, the waiting game because he was sure that Hillary was going to win. Mm-hmm. You know. So he was, he was totally sure that that was going to happen. So he didn't feel the need to, uh, to really act like that was important. Mm-hmm. To act on it in a timely manner. And from what I understand, it seems like the Republicans might have violated the Constitution, you know? I mean, they had a constitutional responsibility to uh, give an up or down vote on this guy. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to do it. That's bullshit. Well, I mean, at this point, I think he can assume, I, I think constitutionally as a case where he could just assume that they've abdicated their responsibilities and just move forward. Yeah, of course, they won't respect that judge, but I think Democrats also should not respect any judge that's appointed by Trump. Somebody, I don't know where I saw it, but somebody was saying we should just say, okay, you know what, yeah, you, the Republican won the election, but we're not going to, you know, we're, we think it's... You're, you're a lame duck president, so we're going to wait for four to eight years for, until we have another election before we approve them. You know, we play the same game. Of course, we don't have the majority in the House, Senate, or. I mean, how do we drag down the, the House, the Senate elections, all that shit? Some of the stuff was possible.
going to go our way in the Senate, but uh, it didn't go that way. Mm-hmm. Because a bunch of fucking idiots went out and voted Donald Trump and uh, just voted down ballot straight Republican ticket, of course. So. Well, and Indiana is one of those states where you can do that, where you can just vote straight party. Yeah. And get this, there's some states, I'm not sure if Indiana's one, to be honest with you, but there's some states, after you vote, if you vote early, you can change your vote up until election day. Well, hmm. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Hmm. But, um, I just think, you know, I think, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, if, if, Barack Obama had been pushing the Supreme Court for an entire, you know, the last year, basically. He would have a leg to stand on that and say, no, it needs to get done before Donald Trump comes in. But now it's kind of hard to go back and say, oh, we're not content to wait. But now that you guys want to, uh, we're going to push it. And I, you know, I blame the Republicans for not doing their goddamn duty up and saying that they're uh, at this point, you know, unsensible. It's kind of hard to say that they don't have a leg to stand on and say, well, he didn't have a problem with it before, so... The constitutional issue before it is now, but if it wasn't before, then it isn't now either. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, you know, I saw a poll from two days before, and it's not about, you know, it's a national poll, I guess, but it, I, I think it was from, I forget the name of the polling organization, Gravis or something like that. I think it was the name of it. Mm-hmm. It was two days before the election. If it had been Bernie Sanders against Donald Trump, Bernie would have got like 55 to 40% or something. He would have had like a 15-point margin or something. It was at least 10 points. I can't remember the exact numbers. But and all the Hillary people and everybody's like, oh, well, you know, they didn't do any opposition research on They hadn't done a smear campaign against Bernie. But it doesn't matter. I mean, like, Bernie, even with a smear campaign, Bernie would have been throwing in independent, libertarian, Green Party voters, everybody in numbers that may have been dampened by a fear campaign, but they wouldn't have changed the fact that Hillary wasn't getting those people. Mm-hmm. And Bernie would have been. And, uh, and, uh, and also the fact is, I mean, a fear campaign against Bernie would have been less effective than a fear campaign against Hillary because the Republicans have been like smearing Hillary since she was the first lady with the Rush Limbos and all those idiots. And so there's, a, there's about 50% of the population that fucking hates him no matter what. And so, and then he doesn't have that built-in hate. Mm-hmm. So, um, with the, you know, you can say uh, socialism is still a damaging label in America or something for some people. I'm sure it is. But at the same time, like the people who are quote unquote not racist but just voting for their economic reasons or whatever. They probably would have been very susceptible to his message about, you know, improving the economy for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, I just, you know, for all these people trying to say, well, you know, um, I, I made a comment the other day on some article because some, you know, Hillary apologist is still trying to go on. Well, you know, she didn't win, but Bernie wouldn't have won either. And here's why. There's hot take on it. Like, well, if Hillary hadn't won, then Michael Bloomberg would have done an independent run. Mm-hmm. He would have taken over away a large section of the Democratic vote. Or Joe Biden. You know, I, yeah, I don't know. I just think that um, I think by the time by the time Bernie conceded, it was too late in the game uh, for those guys to get in. Number one, they couldn't have gotten their names on all the ballots. 
uh, in all 50 states by the time that Bernie conceded, by the time the thing was wrapped up. So if it had gone the other way and Hillary had lost and Bernie had won, it would have been too late for them to get, a, get on the ballot. And number two, they would be guaranteed that they would be handing the presidency to Donald Trump if they tried to stop votes from Bernie Sanders as a Democratic nominee. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, Michael Bloomberg would have been running as an independent. And you can say, well, he's such a non-controversial figure that he would have gotten the 15% that we would get him in the debates or whatever. But I don't think that fact ever happened in a, you know, the independent senator who's gotten on the ballot that way. So, uh, you know, all this, well, if Hillary couldn't do it, then no one could. I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, it's hard to prove something that, that didn't happen. So, I mean, that's always yeah, a big what if helps. kind of setting out there, you know? The, the polling helps, I think. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing. Um, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to pay my gas and electric bills here. I'm, you got to do it by a machine in Korea, and it's like really confusing. So, <laughs> well, take yeah. your time. Take your time. All right. So, what what did you what did you got going on? What are you thinking about everything you do? <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming. Um, in fact, I said as much. What? <laughs> paying my bills. <laughs> well, I didn't foresee that either, but... Oh, um. yeah, yeah. You're a responsible citizen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I filed his taxes, too, for the first mm. time in, like, nine years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize I had to do American taxes in Korea, but I do. Oh, no, John. <laughs> Should we edit this part out for the IRS? <laughs> Well, I think they've already accepted three of my years. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they, I think as long as I get the taxes to them before they come looking for me, I think I should be okay. I didn't realize this. Like when you come to Korea, they say things like, um, um, "Okay, hold on, let me let me insert. I gotta insert this this piece of paper." Okay, the card's going in. Okay, now the bills go in somewhere. Sorry, it's like it's there's nothing in English here, and it's a uh, it's a big mess. Okay, sorry, I'm gonna pay that one. In this one, how many bills are you paying at one place? Two bills. You can yes, pay two different bills yes, in I mean, the same place. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, hold on. This one's okay. It's paying this one. Uh, um, it's going to tell me how it's going to give me my. Okay, all right. One bill is paid. Hold on. I, I thought I could pay two of them at the same time, but i got to pay the other one separately. Hmm. Okay. Normally, I would have somebody help me at the bank, but I'm doing it all by myself. <laughs> okay, let's put this one in here now. There we go. Number two. I'll be all caught up. Yeah. Okay. Kimo Bono, my secret number. Yes. Okay. What's your secret number? Uh, Confidential. (laughs) (laughs) We wouldn't want to have to pay any bills for you. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
and I'm all caught up there. Okay. Yeah, so so I think like um I don't know, I just think like the uh clearly um I think I think it's pretty clear. I think it's as clear as you can possibly be that Bernie Sanders would have wiped the floor with Donald Trump. People can you know, say, Oh no, that wouldn't have happened because of this and that and I just don't see I don't see the case. Uh, but you don't think they would have painted him with the socialist word and been like socialist. Well, I just I think the fact that he never backed away from it and he was able to effectively argue that it was a Northern European socialism and not like Eastern European or Russian socialism or Chinese or communist uh, Cuba or whatever. I think, you know, the fact, I, I think a lot of these things hurt, hurt, uh, hurt politicians when they try to run away from it. But I just don't think he ever tried to run away from it, which was, uh, you know. And so, the, I mean, the fact is they say, well, he's never vetted and this and that and this and that. Fact is, Hillary Clinton tried to use all that stuff against them too. I mean, he would go on MSNBC and they'd say, "Well, you're a socialist," and a lot of Americans might have a problem with that. And he'd say, "Well, here's what I believe." And it's, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It just never, you know, it never became a thing. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, I just uh, Hillary Clinton was a disastrous candidate. All that bullshit about. Tim Kaine and uh, mm-hmm. trying to pull in Republican voters. Who I think I'm on the record as saying months and months and months ago, Republican voters were never going to come over to Hillary Clinton in large numbers. Mm-hmm. You may have had a few, you know, Washington Post, you know, ideological uh, elite Republicans who said, yes, I can't vote for Donald Trump and I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but I don't think that ever translated to the rank and file Republican voters. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's predictable. Yeah. They've been consuming Russian limbo for 30 years, mm-hmm. and they're not voting for it. You know. Okay, but uh, I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is um, what, do, what do you make of the alt-right as much as I hate that phrase? Um, I think they're they're dangerous. It's a dressed up word for a word we already had. We we already knew these people were like neo-Nazi racists, but then they tried to dress yeah. it up and bring it to a cocktail party and I'm not having it. You know, like this this stuff is the, we already had a word for this and you're just trying to call it something else so you can, you know, bring it out into the mainstream and I'm not I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, the, yeah it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, they say um, well, you, I mean, I'm, I'm tired of this, like, oh, we got to give him a chance now, Donald Trump and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we don't. Um, and I'm, I'm even torn on the things like working with him on stuff that's in, in democratic interest, because I think, you know, you could say, well, we can't oppose him because we don't have any of the, we don't have any of the three branches of government right now, which may be true, but, um, the Republicans didn't have the three branches of government in 2006. And they said from the very beginning, we're going to resist this guy and make his presidency a failed presidency. And sure enough, two years later, they picked up the House and Senate or whatever, and from then on out. So just because we're at a disadvantage right now, and I think that, you know, when you start making compromises with Donald Trump, it's, uh, you know... Three months later, when it's when it's when he does something that we don't agree with, it's much harder to turn around and say, "Oh well, on this one, we're all going to strongly stand together and oppose him." Um, I will say though that I think, to his credit, 
he, you know, in one of his tweet storms before the election, he said <laughs> something like the the, uh, the the electoral college is garbage. Yeah, well, well that the, in the in the context, he said that, and uh, this is this was going to be this week's column before the uh, church, uh, one of the churches I grew up in, got vandalized with uh, homophobic and Nazi iconography. But that's another story. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was going to write about how. Um, he in 2012, for a time on election night, thought that Barack Obama was losing the popular vote and winning the Electoral College. And he called for yeah. literal revolution, marches on Washington, uh, this is not a democracy, so on and so forth, when it wasn't going his way. And now I'm pretty sure he's changed his mind because exactly the opposite thing has happened to him and he has no moral center and therefore because it benefits him, he's now all of a sudden the biggest fan of the Electoral College. So just like to point that out. Well, to his credit, he did say in a 60 Minutes interview that even though he won by the electoral college, he still thinks we need to do something about it. Now, for months, you were running around saying that the system is rigged. The whole thing was rigged. You tweeted once that the electoral college is a disaster for democracy. I do. So do you still think it's rigged? Well, I, I think the electoral college, look, I won with the electoral college. Exactly. But do you, you know, think it's rigged? Yeah, some of the election uh, locations are. Some of the system is. Uh, I Even though it. you won, I you're saying it. that. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to change my mind just because I won. But I would rather see it where you went with simple votes. You know, you get 100 million votes and somebody else gets 90 million votes and you win. There's a reason for doing this because it brings all the states into play, electoral college. And there's something very good about that. But this is a different system. But I respect it. I do respect the system. Which is yeah. Really of him. I think it's very bigly of him. <laughs> I don't um, know how bigly it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that's the one thing. You know, people say the infrastructure project wants to do is something something the Democrats could work with them on. But I do think that the um, I do think that uh, the fact that you know there's, there's the infrastructure thing. He says he wants to do an infrastructure project, and you know. Democrats seem to be amenable for that. Um, the other thing is the uh, the fact that he maybe wants to do something about the electoral college, which I think is absolutely something that you know, as much as I say Democrats shouldn't work with him at all. I do think there's a case to be made that yeah, we need to get rid of the electoral college because in the last you know in the last 16 years. Yeah. In the last three times the Republicans have won with their bullshit candidate, whether it's George W. Bush or mm-hmm. Donald Trump, it's because they haven't won the actual people's vote. You can say, oh, America's a republic, you know, it's not an actual direct democracy. Do you know that? Yeah, we know that, and it's bullshit. <laughs> okay, okay, so uh, here, here's the facts. Six of the last seven uh, presidential elections have gone to the Democrats, and two of those times it didn't matter. Um, yeah. So, so that that's the statistics. Um, you know, the electoral college, if you want to get right down to it, was created because they wanted to satisfy the southern states that were slaveholding, and um, the slaves, which were actually most of the population in many of the southern states, um, could not be counted towards representational purposes. So they came up with this thing called the three fifths compromise, where slaves were worth exactly sixty percent of a person, but only for 
representational purposes and none other. And that is how the Electoral College was born, because these southern states knew if it was based on population, they'd never get a say again. And because most of their uh, inhabitants were not people in any other sense. So that's the only reason we have it, is because they knew they knew the southern states weren't going to go for a direct uh, election, like every other democracy in the world, by the way. Um, yeah. So. Well, I, and, and, well, I think I've heard the, uh, I, mean, the I heard the modern argument too that uh, that um, if if each state was not um, like people would never get out of California and New York City and stuff and Chicago basically if they if they were campaigning because they wouldn't need the votes of certain places and stuff. It's a sad story. But I don't know if it's sad enough to say that the popular vote doesn't count, <laughs> you know? But they don't even stick okay, to those yeah, places anyway. They really just stick to the swing states. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, th- I think the time has come. Once we've seen this happen twice, and, and I think I think most Republicans even, yeah, they didn't like Hillary Clinton, but I think they know deep down that Donald Trump is not qualified. He doesn't deserve this. Uh and they, they wouldn't they wouldn't admit that right now because uh, because they got their way and they've got all three branches of government on their side right now. But um, you know, and they're hard to hard they know this is a screw screw situation. So. Mm-hmm. so I think that's something that Donald Trump needs to, you know, I think Democrats could possibly meet him on that one and say, Yeah, we're going to direct democracy. And I think, I think honestly, I don't think it really sunk into him maybe that he didn't win the electoral vote, or the popular vote, rather, because um, he's always talking about, I get such big crowds, you know, I get, you wouldn't believe the crowds I get, everybody says so, Hillary Clinton, she can't even fill a stadium like I can, I think he thinks in a way that he won the popular vote, you know, he thinks that he had, he's a popular candidate, right, so I don't think he's aware, in a way, fully aware that, yeah, he actually did you hear that he wants to go on a um, uh, another tour of rallies in states that he won <laughs> just for just for the fun of it that's uh, that, well in a way I think that's nice because <laughs> a lot of times <laughs> um, you know, a lot of times politicians on the campaign they never ever show their face there again for the next four to eight years at least mm-hmm. four years. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, uh, okay, but I, I think the one of the first ideas is he just wants to bask in the glow again, right? Well, I think his, the he was, I think, did you see the pictures of him after he met with Obama? <laughs> he looked chasing. He looked shook. Like, he looked like he had yeah. seen a ghost. Like, he was like, oh, man, this is more than I, I, I've, I, like you've, you said before, he's the dog, the proverbial dog that caught the mail truck or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean. I think he, I, yeah, it's, I think it's a, still a question of whether he probably could win or if he just thought this would be good for ratings or something's off or something back when he launched this campaign, but I think he, he either correctly estimated the stupidity of Mark Schwartz in the next or he totally underestimated it. He, he got more than he does. <laughs> I mean, I, there were articles written by many people, I don't know who wrote them, but like, I remember these articles where they said, like, if you were trying to lose the presidency, 
what more would you do? <laughs> you know, if you were physically trying to lose it, like literally, what would you do that Donald Trump hasn't done? And so that's why he's, you know, molest women, grabbed about molesting women, possibly raped a 15 year old girl on an island. Um, you know, said you want to torture people, said you want to bomb the families of people, uh, you know, so banning immigrants, banning Muslims, building a wall on the border, deporting 11 million people, um, you know, bringing back waterboarding and worse, whether it works or not. I mean, yeah, the stuff appeals to some people, but at the same time, it's like totally unreasonable and outside the norm for any politician. So, I'm disappointed because I thought that, um, I thought perhaps that after beating, you know, John McCain and Mitt Romney, the two reasonable moderate Republicans, somewhat, um, we look more reasonable by the day, basically. That, <laughs> uh, you know, the Republicans were going to run a crazy person. They were going to realize that it wasn't going to work with the crazy person either. They might have to come back to reason. But um, apparently, no, they realized the crazy person works. So um, the, the final was a free spectrum that the Republicans need. They didn't get. So. What is it, Steve Bannon or whoever the guy who's trying to appoint to his wife's house, chief strategist or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Breitbart. Yeah, Steve, uh, Steve Bannon. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I'll be honest. I go to Fox News website just to see what their take on things is. First, I go to, you know, Huff Post or whatever, and then I jump around to Slate and Salon and, uh, you know, the Daily Beast or whatever. And, it's, it's interesting you, know, you say that because I was reading uh, on uh, Andrew Breit- Breitbart, the uh, person who created the website before he died, of course, um, and he uh, was actually a protege of Ariana Huffington when she was a Republican and helped create the Huffington Post into what it was. Was she a Republican when she created the HuffPost? What's that? She was a Republican when she created the Huffington Post? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, she had an Ill- 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 ideological change. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was like in the late 90s. Huh. Okay, interesting. Well, she yeah created a monster. But like I said, I mean, I, I check out a lot of left-wing to moderate uh, news. But then, you know, if I want a different take on something or if I feel like something like something regarding, like there were a lot of times where something that Hillary had done to Bernie was not being covered on the Democratic press largely or even in the moderate press. And I'd go over to Fox News just to check out and see if they were covering it. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. But, I mean, I, I've been to Breitbart like one or two times in my life, and it, it's just a fucking fever swamp. I can see it's like it's not a place that I even would go, you know. Mm-hmm. I've gone to Red State a few times just to see what the Never Trump Reader Hey, about. you know what? The guy that created Red State, Eric Erickson, he went against Trump. So. Yeah. He the, see the problem with these people is that what they hate most is a traitor, and they hate most the people that are natural allies of them that don't go along with them. So you know what I mean. Yeah, I think the Democrats might need to get more like that though. Mm. <laughs> uh, not winning, not winning anymore. Yeah, this Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Donald Trump would say. So sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So Donald Trump, I think, you know, these days they're saying that he, he denied it, but everybody's saying that he, everybody's saying this, that he wants to give his two, you know, Uday and Kusei Trump and as well as his princess Trump and her Jewish husband uh, access to the White House and intelligence briefings and all this shit. Um, While they're running the blind trust, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have, have a good time, kids. Make lots of money for daddy. <laughs> uh, well, Ivanka was even pimping some of her, like, uh, jewelry or whatever during the 60 Minutes interview, so the hustle was on from the beginning. I think it never stops. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. But yeah, I think that's a, I think that's kind of an admission that this guy is a number one. If he doesn't get this clearance for these guys, he's going to share the private information with them anyway. Number two, he's not supremely confident in his actual abilities. He mm. wants some people around him who are actually you know have gone to the good schools and have you know you know whatever even if they're wealthy clerks who just benefited from his largesse. Mm-hmm. But don't you think it's interesting that his, like, big thing during the final weeks of the campaign was, like, drain the swamp. And it's like, you know, yeah. now he has uh, increased the size of the swamp because all the people he's appointed are just lobbyists from the industries for which he is going to appoint them to oversee. And basically, he's like, oh, who else am I going to get? What do you want from me? You said that um, lobbyists own politicians yeah. because they give them money. You admitted you sure. used to do it yourself. You and, have and a when transition you say lobbyists, lobbyists and special interests. And you want to get rid of all of that. I don't like it, no. You don't like it. But your own transition team is filled with lobbyists. It's the only people you have down there. You have well, lobbyists you have from lobbyists. Verizon. Can you I have mean? lobbyists from the oil gas. And sure. you have food, food lobbyists. Everybody's a lobbyist down there. That's no, what they wait. are. They're lobbyists. They're special On your own transition We're trying to clean up Washington. Look. How can you clean everything, up? Everything, everything down there. There are no people. They're all people that work. That's the problem with the system. The system. Right now, we're going to clean it up. We're, we're having restrictions on foreign money coming in. We're going to put on term limits, which a lot of people aren't happy about, but we're putting on term limits. We're doing a lot of things to clean up the system. But everybody that works for government, they then leave government and they become a lobbyist, essentially. I mean, the whole place is a, it's one ba- big lobbyist. Yeah, you're basically saying you have to rely on them, even though you want to get rid of them. I'm I mean. saying that they know the system right now, but we're going to phase that out. You have to phase it out. He, the, the, the con right. is being revealed even before he takes office, which I think is amazing. But the Republican voters who voted for him are not going to acknowledge that because that would mean that they were duped and they were fooled and they were wrong. Do you think they're, they're always going to make uh, excuses for, like this? I, I, well, I think like George like W. Bush, after he leaves office and it's safe, they'll disavow him because they want to win another election someday. <laughs> and that's, a, that's another stupid thing. Like, you know, Bush jumped the, jumped the economy. Obama didn't bring back jobs to everybody, but he turned the economy around in one way or another. I think the amount to which it helped the Wall Street and the big banks and the CEOs and all those people is disgraceful, and it didn't help the little people so much. But um, but to go back to Republican economic policy is insane. People just have very short memories. And if we have another meltdown, maybe we deserve it this time. So, I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, Bob, I kind of, I gotta, gotta, I gotta jump off here for a little bit because um, I'm gonna eat my food and then I've gotta go teach one class. But um, I will, I'll be back in within three hours. What time is it right now? Hold on. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I can try morning. calling you again in the morning for my time, so it'll yeah, probably be late at night for you. That's fine. Actually, tomorrow's a holiday in Korea, or actually, it's a company holiday for my okay. company anyway, so I don't well, have Friday. Um, so, yeah, late at night's fine tonight. Not well, uh, uh, give, give, give the listeners a, a cliffhanger, uh, just just like it was our old-timey radio show. Go. Okay. Uh, Bernie's coming. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> Bernie's image there. I yeah. Like that. Yeah, I think I, that's a good one. I like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow slash tonight. Okay. All right. Thanks, Bob. Talk cool. to you soon. Talk to you later, man. Bye. Yeah, that was Wednesday night. I called Jonathan back Friday morning. Hello. Hey, what's up? Oh, hey, how are you? Good, good. I didn't catch you a bad time today. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, I just got back from the gym here a bit ago. How was that? Oh, it was, uh, invigorating. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done it for four months, so maybe invigorating is not the right word. <laughs> Debilitating. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm getting over my cold a little bit, so hopefully my voice sounds a little bit better than it did a few days ago there. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I don't know what I was talking about last time. I was kind of rambling. Having a, like a fever blur or something. But very angry, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Okay, so so what's uh, what's been going on there? Oh, nothing any, much. Any news today? Uh, well, since I talked last, uh, there's been quite the uh, uh, cavalcade of, of people coming in and out of uh, Trump Tower as far as the uh, appointments for various cabinet positions go. Basically, Trump treating it like a big uh, reality show. And uh, being like, uh, only I know who I will pick, and you know. Hopefully, he's t- hopefully he's filming all of these interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know that uh, Mitt Romney was seen uh, coming in and out of there, which is interesting since he's been one of the main anti-Trump uh, establishment Republicans. Um, but the word is that he might be up for Secretary of State. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, what do yeah, you yeah, think yeah. about the case for even if you hate Trump, like if you're one of the never Trumpers in the uh, Republican side, do you think there's a case to be made that, you know, maybe you should try to work in this administration even if you hate everything about it just to, to serve as a kind of, you know, uh, whatever uh, against him from overstepping his bounds? I mean, what do you think about that? Um, well, I know there was an article written that I read the other day that was by a former Bush something. I don't know what he did in the Bush administration. I forget his name right offhand, but um, he said that he'd cautiously advise people to, like, 
go ahead and take the job for Trump if they wanted, but don't renounce any never-Trump stuff you've said before and keep a resignation letter pre-written or something just in case you have to give it a moment's notice or something. But mm-hmm. Then he had changed his, his forecast to don't take a job with these guys because it's crazy over there and they're, they're childish and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I tend to think that, you know, if you're not a quote-unquote mainstream responsible Republican, I don't think you should go anywhere near this. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, the tail doesn't wag the dog, right? Hmm. Probably. I mean, with Trump, they do say that he goes with whoever was in the room with him last, so maybe maybe you might have undue influence or something, but mm-hmm. chances are he's going to break the law and do terrible things and drag everybody through the mud and you're going to go down with the ship. I mean, I don't think, you know, I mean, look at Ben Carson, look at, look at, uh, the fact that, what's his name? Chris Christie. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at these guys. They've just been, they've tried to support Trump and they've been, especially Chris Christie has been just dragged through the mud. <laughs> And part of that's, you know, the Bridgegate thing. Mm-hmm. But part of that is, you know, get on the plane. Get on the plane. And that's why I'm proud to introduce to you the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Thank you, Chris. Wow. Thank you. This is one endorsement, really, that I wanted. He's the right guy. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, not looking so strong after supporting Trump. Yeah, that was and, that, um, <laughs> pretty emasculating for uh, for uh, for him. He was definitely one of the first uh, first ones to flip too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think I'm surprised that Romney was invited to the Trump Tower or whatever uh, for an interview. I would, I would if I didn't. You know, we don't know much. I guess I don't know much, but um. If I didn't know better, I'd guess that Trump was just gloating to the guy because Trump had, like, sort of supported them, but then when he lost, Trump kind of turned on him and stuff. And, and I kind of, I've actually kind of viewed this whole run by Trump as kind of a saying, here, you, you middle of the road Republicans don't know how to do this. Let me show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he was right, apparently. Mm-hmm. But, um,. I don't know. So I guess he was gloating to Mitt Romney, but I don't know. I guess for any Republican who's thinking about taking a position in Trump's administration, it depends on how how nakedly ambitious you are, coupled with, you know, how willing you are to compromise your principles and uh, how risk-averse you are about damaging your own good name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but... I, I think those are three... Yeah, for sure. Factors. Definitely. Um, but I mean, if, if all the quote-unquote responsible Republicans are are not in it, you're basically who are you left with, you know, just the just the dregs of, you know, political life. And, and, you know, then at that point you're left with what, Sarah Palin as Interior Secretary? I mean, it's like it gets... Uh, it gets pretty uh, pretty dark yeah. pretty fast. <laughs> I, I think that's a good thing though, because that that means we're you know probably going to 
come to an impeachment situation much quicker. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're a mainstream Republican, you probably want that anyways, because you get Donald Trump out of the way, and then you've got Mike Pence in, in there, who, mm. as horrendous as many of us know him to be, to a mainstream Republican, he's probably not too far from what you'd want. Well, what is your sense about whether or not they would actually pull the trigger on something like that? I mean, we haven't seen the Republicans do anything but basically roll over for Trump up to this point. Um, I'm not feeling super confident about them finding their backbone now uh, that he's actually in power, but who knows? I mean, you're right. I mean, I think uh, all the congressional Republicans would definitely prefer Pence in charge. I mean, I think Pence is going to be effectively in charge for a lot of this. I mean, he's already the head of the transition team or whatever, and I think he's probably going to be a Dick Cheney level involvement, you know, in the vice presidential chair, you know, as as far as pulling the strings and stuff. But what is your sense of? Because I don't, I don't know. I don't have any confidence of them finding their spine on, you know, on Trump at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I I don't think that Donald Trump wants to play second fiddle to anybody, especially not as vice president. So I think if there's any perception that Mike Pence is, you know, secretly running things from behind, uh, I think Donald Trump will, you know, publicly and abruptly try to put an end to that that situation. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. It's... uh, and I don't think the Republicans would impeach Trump. I think they'll defend him, you know, they're all falling in line now, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I thought I saw Lindsey Graham had said something a few days ago about investigating something. I, I don't know if it was investigating or what the hell he was talking about. I think he wanted to hold hearings about the DNC hacks being conducted by Russia, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole side of this thing that still hasn't um, been, you know, we may not get a good resolution to that until, you know, after the Trump presidency. It's like in the last two weeks before the election, there was just a lot of stuff going on. And I think there were some stories about how there was a direct line from a major Russian bank that supports the, the Putin administration to a computer server or something in Donald Trump's, mm-hmm. you know, headquarters or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think I heard something about that, too, yeah. Yeah, but then, the, you know, the day-to-day election news just kind of ground that out of the news cycle. And, but, you know, something's going on. Something, you know, the Russians are pretty happy with what they've done, if it's to the degree that they've done it. Mm-hmm. So, something, you know... Something's going on there, and we don't know. We don't have a good way to find out. And it seems like the media is just saying, "Oh, well, we got to give them a chance." And uh, yeah, a lot of you know, it's um, kind of like you know, during the primary, everybody complains about the the campaign taking too long. But I feel like in the primary, if Bernie had a good another one to two months or something to pull the members up a little bit more and get a little bit more exposure. I think he could have pulled it off there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was making ground up really fast. And and again, with the general election, I think if we'd had one or two more months, I mean, Trump would have had his, his trial in New York or whatever for raping the 13-year-old girl and mm-hmm. allegedly. Um, 
<laughs> nice tag. Uh, you know, we might have gotten a little bit more reporting about what happened with the Russians. Uh, mm. I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of stuff that didn't get resolved and is not, you know, not really on the radar anymore now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I bet I bet Obama is telling the Iraqis, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> clean up clean up Mosul. Get it get it taken care of there. Yeah. I want this done by January. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> January twentieth in fact. Yeah I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he wants I don't think he wants Trump to get any credit for uh for uh finishing off ISIS. Mm-hmm. Although you know, we can't finish off ISIS right now, and maybe, maybe, who knows what will happen after after four years of Trump? But I don't know. Yeah, the uh, anyways, yeah, lots of stuff going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff going on in uh, South Korea, from what I can tell. Yeah, there's been last week there were a million people protesting. We, I, I think. In one of our podcasts, did I go over kind of what had happened with the Dr. and Hay situation? I I can't remember if you told me that on the podcast or or off. I don't really remember. I've just been reading about it. It's it's been pretty crazy. Um, It's like a senior advisor was like a cult leader or something, something like that. Yeah. well, I mean, I don't want to get too far off topic from the American scandals, but um, I could kind of go over what happened, what's what we know so far over here. Mm-hmm. It's been roiling this, and it's entirely possible that before 2017 or before before 2018, possibly, um, the president may be forced out of office. Mm. Or she may declare martial law, or things may just continue as they're going right now, but it's kind of up in the air. Um, but yeah, the president, okay, President Bak Gun Hay, um, her father from 1961 until I think 1979 was the military dictator of South Korea. Mm-hmm. And he did preside over a lot of modernization of uh, infrastructure and economy and stuff like that. And, uh, kind of helped build up some of the big groups like Samsung and stuff. But um, he, let's see, uh, in the 1970s, I forget what year it was, might have been 1973 or 76, I can't remember, but he was giving a speech, and um, there was a North Korean spy inside the auditorium who had a gun, and the guy started shooting, and he shot Bok Chung-hee's wife, who was sitting behind him on the on the on the podium or on the stand or whatever? Mm-hmm. And so this guy was arrested or whatever, and um, the wife was taken to the hospital, and she died in the hospital. But the president kept giving a speech after his wife was taken away, mm-hmm. which I think I might have mentioned. Was, was yeah, I think I remember you mentioned in that policy. part. Yeah, yeah, um, which just you know, with the family values issue in America, it's like. If your wife gets shot, you can't continue giving a speech because you're not a good family person. American politicians have to be good family people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, so the mother died, and the daughter, Buckingham Hay, who was about 23 years old at that time, I think, she was kind of made into the 
the first lady, even though she was the president's daughter, but she took over the roles of the first lady or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, while she was the first lady, pretty soon after this had happened, I think she started getting letters or something from a guy. I think his name was Chaito Nin. And he had been a, from what I understand, he'd been a police officer or a soldier or something, and then he'd been a Catholic, wanted to be a priest, and then he'd been a Buddhist or something, and then he kind of shifted into this kind of this shamanistic cult slash it was kind of mixing Catholic Catholicism, Buddhism, and this kind of this, his own personal cult, mm-hmm. which he was the leader of. But he, but he told the young Bakun Hay that he could he had been in conversation with her dead mother, and that he could be like a medium. He would put her in contact with the mother. Mm-hmm. So she invited him to the Blue House, which is the Korean White House, and. Um, they formed a relationship or something. I don't know. They had some sort of a kind of a connection. She totally believed everything that he said. She took his advice on a lot of things. And there are, I don't know, there are allegations that he, from an early age, he had control over body and mind. And that's kind of vague. I don't know if that means there was like a sexual relationship or what, but clearly the guy had a huge influence on her. Hmm. And, um, I guess her father was sort of curious about this relationship, but he didn't really get involved too much or anything, from what I understand. And um, other people in the in the Blue House at that time in his administration had a big problem with it, and his the girls, Buckton Hayes' brother and sister, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, eventually he was assassinated. I think in 1979 uh, by the leader of the Korean CIA. Mm. Um, they were in a, they were in a kind of a, kind of like a, a norebang or kind of like a, a singing room, a karaoke room, I think. And it was the two of them, from what I understand, there may have been some other guys there. And there was one famous singer, a female singer, and one female college student who were there. God knows what they were up to. <laughs> but uh, anyways, the, the head of the Korean CIA uh, shot him to death. And apparently... One of the reasons he gave after he was arrested, and I think he was eventually hung or executed somehow, uh, he said that he didn't like that Park Jung Hee wouldn't do anything about the fact that this kind of this cult leader was having so much influence over his daughter. Hmm. Um, so I don't, and this was known apparently before. I think I'd heard this before, but it seemed like a kind of a minor thing. I thought it was just an excuse, but it really should have been it investigated more before the 2012 election, apparently. Mm. And President Bach has been estranged from her brother and sister, who also complained to later presidents and petitioned later presidents publicly to uh, separate this cult leader from their sister. Mm. Um, And they were kind of out of contact with her. But back around 2011 and 2012, when the election was going on, I remember... um, People, you know, they never interviewed the brother or sister who were estranged from the president now because when they said, like, the brother had done drugs, he'd gotten in trouble for drugs one time or something, and so that kind of discredited him or something. But clearly the brother and sister knew something about this woman's shady connections that should have been known by the Korean people at that time. Um, But, you know, nobody bothered to check up on it. And... So anyways, yeah, so in 1994, the Che Tae Min guy, he passed away, and 
Scott Gunhey became friends with the daughter. I guess she had been friends with the daughter, uh, Chase. Uh, I want to say Chase. Chase Unshil, I think is the name. I, 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 for some reason, I'm blanking on the name. I think it's Chase Unshil right now. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's gone by several names. Mm-hmm. And this woman took over the cult and, you know, seems to have had a huge influence on the president ever since then. Um, and the president's been sharing her speeches with her uh, before she gives them, and she's been consulting her on policy and... Um, the Chase and Show woman had a had a boy toy kind of guy who was like a male kind of a he was a he worked in a host bar which is kind of like sort of like male prostitution or something. Uh, it's a little shady. You go there, I guess, if you're a woman of a certain age and you hang out with attractive young men and drink with them and they talk to you and you know if a little bit of money gets exchanged then there may be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's male and female versions of these things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this guy stayed close with her, and he was actually involved in apparently designing, possibly designing the clothing or or at least designing the some of the purses and clutch bags and stuff that the president carries. And there, there's so many tendrils to this, this thing. Um, I think Cy, Cy recently canceled a concert or something somewhere because there was some allegation that he had connections to somebody who had made a music video that was involved with this cult or something. Mm. Um, Haji Wan, the famous actress who, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but <laughs> um, do you remember that movie? Um, My boyfriend, the asshole or something. Mm-hmm. I think when one of our roommates, Michael had come back from China, he had brought with him uh, many DVDs, including this Korean romantic comedy mm-hmm. about a, I don't know. It was a funny movie anyway. The girl that was Haji Wan, mm-hmm. she's now, you know, a woman, famous actress. She was in a TV show called Secret Garden around about 20, 2011, I think, 2010 or 2011. Mm-hmm. And I forget the name of the character she played, but the, the character's name, apparently Bakun Hay, the president, watched the show because she had gone to some sort of a, like a health and plastic surgery clinic many, many times under the name of the character. I think it was like Gil Gadam or something like that. I, I forget the character's name. It's not a normal name. Mm-hmm. And people people noticed that the character Haji Wan played in this TV show had a tattoo on her shoulder of a dragon, which was similar, almost the same as the, the symbol of one of the companies that is run by this cult mm. that has extorted money from big companies like Samsung or something like this. I may be mixing factors up. I mean, it may have been there was a the charity that they had, not the company that was extorting the money, but somehow they were extorting millions and millions of dollars from big companies like Samsung. Mm. Um, but anyways, yeah, this Chase and Chill woman, she has a daughter who's about college age right now, and she's a horse rider. And when she wanted to go to high school, um, the woman pulled some strings to make the high school a very like very expensive or nice high school or whatever in Kangnam area, uh, changed their admittance policy so that they were looking for people who had this equestrian, like this kind of this horse riding skill. Mm-hmm. So they chose her daughter. And then it sounds like she doesn't didn't really attend enough class to actually graduate, but she graduated and got good grades and everything. 
Mm-hmm. And then she went to Awa Women's University, which is a prestigious women's college. Where again, it sounds like um, this woman influenced the university to change their admittance standards to admit horse riders like her daughter. And she got in. She didn't attend the classes. She didn't do the work. And she, you know, there were massive protests there a few months ago. And I didn't realize this is what it caused them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was reported this way exactly at that time. But um, mm-hmm. but they've. I think they've declared today that she did not legitimately, it, she had then found that she did not legitimately attend the university and should not graduate or anything. Mm-hmm. So anyways, while they were, you know, getting all this money from these big corporations through their connections to the president, they took the money and they spent like, they opened a horse ranch or something in Germany and they spent $100,000 to buy a horse just for the daughter. So... um Sorry, I'm kind of like stumbling through this slowly, but there's so many facts and details and timelines. No, I know. It's a twisted web, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, anyways, when the Iowa Women's University scandal was going on, I think that uh, Chase Winchell and her daughter ran off to Germany to their horse farm or whatever. And she was recently summoned back to Korea, and she was arrested almost immediately without a warrant, even. Mm. And... um, they had to, and she was mobbed by the mobbed by the media and stuff. And I think she even fell down while she was being mobbed by the media. It was crazy, but um, her daughter, I think, is still in Germany, from what I understand. And um, the basically last, I mean, there have been protests two weeks ago in Seoul, where there always are. And then last week there was a huge protest that had over a million people out there and in, in, in near the city hall area in the north north uh, kind of north central northwestern Seoul, uh, not too far from the Blue House. But it's a very standard place where protests take place. There's always protests there for one reason or another, but this was pretty exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, this week, this past week on Monday, I heard that the public prosecutor is requesting that the president submit to questioning. And she said, well, I don't want to submit to questioning in person, but if you'll send me the questions, then I'll, I'll respond to the ones, you know, that I want to or whatever. And they say, no, no, no. You know, if we're going to question you, it's got to be in person. And they said, and we need to do it by Friday. They say, because we, we've been holding the Chase and Show woman without cause or something, and we need to file charges by Sunday this week. And so they said that the hard deadline is Friday. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like she wasn't going to submit to anything. So I was worried that there was going to be a huge protest on on Saturday, tomorrow, basically, in Korea. But um, from what I hear today, she agreed to submit to questioning in person next week. And I don't know if that's going to assuage people's angers at all or not, but um, uh, I, I have a feeling tomorrow's going to be pretty big. And possibly, I don't know if there's going to be violence but I've heard that um, Bakun Hayes got some of her supporters coming out to counter protest, which is amazing because right now she has a 5% approval rating in the country. <laughs> so I don't know who she's getting out there, but it's, I don't think it's impossible that it could be, you know, uh, government sponsored gangs or thugs. Uh, mm-hmm. They use these kind of people to evict people when they want to do a building project and stuff. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if there are some ruffians out there tomorrow. Mm. So, 
anyways, there, there's a, there's a few other factors involved and stuff, but it's pretty crazy as you can see. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's a pretty uh, that's that's a, that's a I think that's a pretty thorough. Um, uh, what can we say? Also, I think there was a, a bit of a scandal because members of this cult or something were asked to design the clothing that the President Park wears. Mm-hmm. And people have complained that sometimes her clothing style is really strange, and they've also complained that her speaking style is unnatural. Hmm. And they say they think that it has to do with the fact that she's getting, you know, she's inserting strange, like, religious words or something from this cult that she's in because this woman's been involved in helping design her speeches. And there was also apparently a video released of members of this cult or something who were designing her clothing they were they were making the president's clothing and they were eating greasy fried chicken and smoking cigarettes while they were designing the president's clothing and handling the cloth and everything so people were just outraged that you know mm-hmm. you know the president's going around in like this dirty kind of like strangely designed stuff or whatever but and yeah it, it's a, it's a wild it's an epic epic i mean like korea Pretty much every president of Korea, I don't think there's been a president who hasn't had corruption scandals of one type or another, but this is this is absolutely epic level mm-hmm. corruption. Well, we, we may be giving you a run for your money uh, on the corruption front soon, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, hopefully we'll manage to avoid having the crazy cult religious aspect to it. <laughs> Yeah, let's hope. But so, what's your sense about what's yeah. going to happen in the future with this? Well, um, well, the president has already had to cede some power. Um, she fired all of her all of her Blue House staff basically and hired different people. And I didn't understand why she did that um, because obviously this all involves her more than anybody else. Although some of the people in her staff may have been connected to this cult too. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I think she had to. I think she had to get a new prime minister or something. And she, she appointed a. She said she was appointing a opposition party prime minister, which normally would be unheard of. I don't think that she's pretty conservative, and she doesn't have a lot of love for the opposition party. But, but the opposition party in the what can we say the um, kind of like the. Kind of like the Congress in Korea, um, which exists on an island in in Seoul on the Han River called Yoido. Uh, there is a uh, there's a there's a building there that they have the kind of the Congress there, and um, they complained strongly because they said, "Well, no, no, no. Even if you're appointing a member of our party to this position, you have to consult with us. You can't just appoint them unilaterally." So I think that that guy got withdrawn or something. Anyways, it sounds like she's going to have to like partially run the country with the help of a prime minister for the next year. So she's losing a lot of power already. People are calling for her to step down. People are calling for her to be, you know, impeached or whatever. And um, I don't know what the solution is. Um, she's got a year left on her term. Um, there will be an election, I think, probably next December, and new new president should take office around January or February, I think, mm. in 2018. Uh-huh. So I don't know how she's going to survive the year, though, so that's why I worry about like things like you know martial law, which is definitely something that her father was not shy about. What would that um, look like? 
um, restricted press freedoms, um, restricted, you know, um, restricted powers of, uh, you know, ability to organize, ability to meet in public in large groups, um, riot police on every street or something, or on major streets at least, which is, there are a lot of riot police in Korea, which is something that surprised me when I first got here. But one of the branches of the military service that young men can do when they do their two-year service is the, is the, basically the riot police. Because there are constant protests in Korea over one issue or another, it's kind of like part of the culture, I think, since the 1980s at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, wherever the protesters go, the riot police are also there. It's like they're kind of like they have a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm being alarmist. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe martial law couldn't happen in Korea in 2016, 2017, but. I don't know. You know, I don't see how she survives the next year with 5% approval rating. Um, you know, approval rating goes up and down, but, uh, you know, crises with North Korea, negotiations with Donald Trump and the changing relationship, um, economic upheaval that could happen as a result of Donald Trump. I don't see how a, such a weakened president in Korea can manage these crises when she doesn't have the support of the country at all. So, but... On the other hand, no Korean president has ever, you know, well, let me think about that. Let me think about that. Well, Chun Doo Won did have to step down. He was a dictator in the 1980s. He had to, he was removed from power. Mm-hmm. But generally, modern Korean presidents never stop before the end of their term. Hmm. So it's kind of unheard of for that to, like a resignation or something. Yeah, I mean, since, I would say since the late 1980s, I think everybody's finished their five-year term. Mm -hmm. So, but even though usually in the last year they're they're so mired in economic scandal or family corruption scandal that they basically become a lame duck. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. But this is, this is kind of some next level shit as far as being a lame duck is concerned. So, anyways, yeah, that's kind of a briefing of what's going on in Korea and, you know, watch the news. I know it's hard to, probably in America, it's hard to see any news from the world that doesn't involve Donald Trump or something. (laughs) But South Korea is going through some stuff right now, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But... I'm, I'm I'm talking to uh, I'm talking to a member of my book club and she's she's thinking about possibly being able to come on the show sometime if you want to have her on. Um, she's a left wing individual also, um, kind of like so he I guess we had a few months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, but she may be able to better explain the intricacies of the Chase and Show Dr. Hayes scandal than I than I can even because she reads the you know the Korean news every day so. Okay. Well, cool. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to have her on. Yeah, yeah. So, Angela, if you're listening, <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But um, what else? Uh, what else is on your mind as far as the the U.S. political scene? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, you know, there's this big thing where everybody wants to, uh, you know, give him a chance, right? Give Donald Trump a chance and let's just see where it goes. And, you know, maybe we can 
support them and compromise on the things that uh, that we would like to get done and oppose them on the other racist, crazy, sexist, uh, the global warming denying uh, birther. What will you do? You know, it's like I think like I, I don't really remember what I mentioned the other day, but I think like um, talking about modifying the um, talking about modifying the uh, what you might call it the uh, uh, the Electoral College, mm-hmm. I think that could be, if there is anything that we work with Donald Trump on, that's got to be one of the things. Um, but on the other hand, I do think it's dangerous to go down the road of working with him on anything, and I do think there's a lot of wisdom to be put into opposing at every single turn, just like the Republicans did with Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, uh, like, I mean... If this guy turns out to be a total historical level monster, a la Hitler or Stalin or anybody like that, there's no, you know, you don't get extra points for cooperating with him at the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So, and I think, like, I mean, and, you know, no matter, I think, I, I think I saw some Tom Hanks thing or somebody quote, I think Tom Hanks, was, I saw a quote from him that said, like, I hope that Donald Trump is such a good president that I want to vote for him in four years. And I'm thinking, like, this guy abuses women and he brags about it and he, he surrounds himself with racists. There's nothing, he's not going to, you know, there's, he's a bad person. You know, there's nothing that he's going to do as a president that's going to excuse his behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stuff about, you know, he's like, a, you know, oh, I, I get to go backstage at the, uh, at the you know, Miss Teen Universe or whatever, and they let me because I'm, you know, I'm the owner, and so I'm just checking things out making sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and there's girls as young as 14 or 15 or whatever the hell back there. I'll go backstage before a show, yes. and everyone's getting dressed and ready, and I'm allowed to go in because I'm the owner of the pageant, and therefore I'm inspecting it. Is everyone okay? You know, they're <laughs> yeah. standing there with no clothes. Is everybody okay? And you see these incredible-looking women, and so I sort of get away with things like that. I don't care. This guy, he could be an Abraham Lincoln-level president, but... This is some bad behavior, and it doesn't deserve to get rewarded, and it should not be tolerated. And it's a, I think that's why so many Americans are, you know, horrified and disgusted that this guy's become president. Because with this kind of behavior, to reward that is uh, kind of unconscionable. Yeah. Well, what did you think about? Uh, I think Bernie Sanders was talking about how. Uh I didn't read the whole story, but I think his quote was, if he wants to take on Wall Street or whatever, he'll have an ally in me. But, you know, I I think he was trying to kind of ride that line as far as, you know, if we have things we can find in common, let's, let's work with him on that. I think what you will see on Capitol Hill is many Democrats will be prepared to work with Mr. Trump if he turns out to be sincere about the promises he made during the campaign. If those promises turn out to be hollow, if they were nothing more than campaign rhetoric, we will not only oppose his economic policies, we will expose those that hypocrisy as well. I'm pretty sure that... I don't know. I'm guessing Bernie's trying to look reasonable because I think he knows that Donald Trump doesn't really want to do anything to Wall Street. I mean, just the other day, he he skipped his press following or whatever, and he went to a fancy restaurant in New York and he told them all, I'm going to lower your taxes. Don't worry. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, he doesn't uh, seem he, super serious yeah. about Wall Street reform for sure. Or yeah, or helping the little guy. He's he's like every other Republican. He wants to lower taxes on the rich. Or dining in this restaurant where you know dishes are a hundred or two hundred dollars or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just you know totally out of touch. Not that I think Hillary would have been much better on that front, but right. I mean, she probably at least talked about you know lowering, raising taxes on some and lowering taxes on others. But I I don't think she really wanted to hurt the people who would be her big donors necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and look at her policy a little bit more. But but do you think uh, Obama's making a mistake as far as trying to help Trump? Because apparently, what I've heard is that uh, after they met, you know, Trump was kind of surprised at the scope of the job, and I guess uh, Obama has agreed to help Trump uh, transition. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I guess, you know, I don't know. I mean, to some degree, all Americans have, you know, as as everybody wants to say, we all have a stake in him succeeding. And hopefully what they mean by that is succeeding in uh, not destroying the country or getting us in a war or destroying the economy or destroying the environment or something, or just, you know, something like that, not success at, you know, putting Muslims in internment camps or whatever is, is one of his people was talking about today, mm-hmm. um, using the Japanese internment camps of the 1940s as a model, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that, that, that kind of political speech is uh, being used at the White House level now is unbelievable, too. It's, this, yeah. is what we, this is what a bunch of idiots voted for, though, so... Screening certain Muslim immigrants first came up. One of the big defenders was Carl Higby. He's a former Navy SEAL and a Trump supporter, and he joins us now. Carl, good to see you. So you, you, me, you heard the mayor's position, which is, you know, we just we don't do that kind of thing. We don't create registries based on religion. Yeah. Well, we have in the past. We've done it based on race. We've done it based on religion. We've done it based on region. And the fact is, he also brings it back as like a constitutionality issue. The problem is, is people outside this country are not protected under the same constitutional rights as we are in America. So you think it's a good idea, and you don't care that this is some sort of a slippery slope where Muslims may get just lumped into some group where they get put on a registry, and some, you know, some aggressive law enforcement actor in the future might abuse that list. No, absolutely. Look, there's always a case for abuse in this thing. But the fundamental problem here is we have a large faction. Look, look, being a part of the Muslim faith is not a bad thing. And there's plenty. There's, you know, 1.6 billion Muslims out there. Most of them are perfectly good people. But the fact is there is a small percentage of people that have chose to align with an extreme ideology within the faith, and they're doing harm. So we would like to keep tabs on it until we can figure out what's going on. Trump has said, look, it's a, it's a regional-based thing right now. If they're coming into our country, we need to know who they are, where they are, and, and what's going on. Because well, he's trying we need to, to stop. Protect- He's trying to stop immigration into the country uh, from countries where there are major terrorist issues and we, until we can figure out what, what's going on. But this seems like something else, which is if you're coming over, I mean, this is just, this is what I'm reading, okay? This is that, um, that, 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 again, the Kansas Secretary of State, Chris Kobach, who helped write the tough immigration laws in Arizona, said today that Trump's policies advisors are drafting, they're discussing drafting a proposal to reinstate a registry for immigrants from Muslim countries, for immigrants from Muslim countries. Yeah, and, and perfectly, perfectly honest, it is legal. They say it'll hold constitutional muster. I know the ACLU is going to challenge it, but I think it'll pass. And we've done it with Iran back uh, back a, a while ago. We did it during World War II with Japanese, which, 
you know, call it what you Come will, on. maybe, maybe you're wrong. Not, you're not proposing we go back to the days of internment camps, I hope. No, 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 I'm not proposing that at all, Megan. But what I am you know saying is that we need to protect that. America I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that gets people scared, Carl. Right. But it's, I'm just saying there is precedent for it. And I'm not saying I agree with it. But in this case, I absolutely believe that a regional base... You can't be citing Japanese internment camps as precedent for anything the president-elect is going to do. Look, the president needs to protect America first. And if that means having people that are not protected under our Constitution have some sort of registry so we can understand until we can identify the true threat and where it's coming from, I support it. You, you get the protections once you come here. All right. Carl, good to see you. Thank you, Megan. I can see Obama's point of wanting to, you know, minimize or mitigate any damage that he's able to do by impressing upon him the, the gravity of the job. Um, and also, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't want Donald Trump to ha be able to come back and say six months later, hey, I walked in here and Obama gave me no help. He didn't tell me anything about the White House. But I think it's disgusting that Obama has to play nice with this guy. I mean, this guy uh, ran a racist campaign and questioning Obama's birth and eligibility as an American citizen, let alone an American president. Mm -hmm. So for him to even have to be in the same room as the guy is uh, is kind of an affront to decency, I think. Yeah, well, we're getting a and lot Obama of that. Obama has been, above all, he's been a very decent president, so. Yeah. I think what that's definitely one of the things we're gonna miss <laughs> very soon. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a mess we're heading into. And did you watch um, Hillary's recent appearance or whatever, where she came out without any makeup on or whatever? I didn't watch it. I just saw the things about how she wasn't wearing any makeup and. Would you? Yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it either. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. <laughs> but I don't know. It's kind of one of those weird things. It's like everybody's like, "Oh, well, this is the real Hillary. She's showing us, you know, she everybody hurts. She hurts too. It was hard on her running this campaign, and now she's, you know, I don't know. But at the same time, like those same people, if she'd come out looking just as radiant and you know wearing all makeup and having her hair done up and everything as she had before, they said. She's still strong. Look at her. She's still got the vibrancy in the fight. It's just like, I mean, I don't know. Rightly or wrongly, one way or another, she could do no wrong in some people's eyes. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I have a feeling she was trying to, you know, come out there and say that she's going to, you know, like a lot of Democrats have, we're going to hold his feet to the fire and make him, you know, keep him honest or whatever. But I don't think that she's, you know credible to do that. I think I think people like Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren are much more credible now in the things that they've been coming out and saying recently as as, you know we're you know, we're not gonna put up with any discrimination or hate or any kind of sexism or whatever. We're gonna fight this guy every step of the way on those things. <clears throat> so yeah. Anyways, I, I don't know. I don't know much else right now. And I've been working really hard these past this month. Um, our manager over here is on vacation this month, and so I've had to take over teaching uh, three hours a day at a women's high school up in Seoul. Mm. And I have to ride the subway an hour each way to get there and back again, so it's about a five-hour commitment mm. plus one-hour lunch that I have to eat at the school, and the mm. school cafeteria food is not so great. <laughs> 
And that's on top of my morning and evening company classes and one or two other classes and my Saturday classes and stuff. So today I had a lucky break because our company had a vacation today or had a a day off today for some reason. So Mm -hmm. I'm just, I've just been trying to recuperate from this cold that I've had for the past week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I haven't been... I don't know. Reading the news, watching the news is different after the election. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have as much energy or gumption to do it. It's like I, I, I'm i still interested in stuff, but it's just like it's been such a huge blow to have this guy win and just to know what America is going to be doing for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, very disappointing. Yeah. Disheartening. No, it's, it's really sapped my energy for that kind of thing, too. And, you know, I kept saying before the <laughs> before the campaign was finished, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be over soon, and then I'll be able to relax. And then I was kind of saying that, thinking that, you know, this wouldn't be what would be happening. And uh, now I'm like, Ugh, I don't even know if I want 2016 to be over now. <laughs> I hate it so much, but <laughs> what's coming next? Yeah. 2016 wasn't great, but 2017 is looking worse. <laughs> um so it looks like, well, anyways, it looks like I'll be in Korea for the next four years, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> no reason to no reason to change that now. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Like, um, what was I thinking of? Um, oh, yeah, everybody says, well, uh, you know, <clears throat> we can't call all of Donald Trump's supporters racist. You know, some of them have economic concerns. And I think we talked a little bit the other day about uh, well, I mean, they may have economic concerns, but they're barking up the wrong tree if they really want a solution for themselves. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, and I think I think I don't know if Van Jones or who it was that I saw make this point, which is exactly something that I've been trying to you know make in my own mind too, and find the, the right way to express it was, you know, Donald Trump's basically every single one of Donald Trump's voters either are racist or have a much greater tolerance for racist talk and racist behavior and racist policy than people like us. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can try to finesse that and say, no, 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 it's the economy, or no, 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 we, we could never vote for Hillary Clinton. It's like, well, you know, then cast a vote for that, that Mormon CIA guy out in Utah, or cast a vote for Gary Johnson if you must, but... Uh, but if you voted for Donald Trump, you're saying, eh, I'm basically okay with this. Uh, you know, racist talk, sexist talk, sexual molestation, uh, bad business dealings, thousands of lawsuits. All of this stuff is not a, it's not a, it's not a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, you know, you can call it racist or you can say it's, you know, not racist, but that's bullshit. Uh, it's, it's displaying a tolerance for behavior that mm-hmm. most decent people find absolutely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So, and like I've mentioned before, you know, all the people on Facebook I see who voted for Trump, frankly, they're a bunch of, you know, oh, black lives don't matter, all lives matter. Oh, look at this cute video of this police officer who scared these people, but he was actually doing something funny and nice for them. See, not all police are bad. So, uh, you know, it's just like these people... They they don't think they're racist, and maybe in their personal lives they're not actively racist, but they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're 
not sympathetic to the concerns of a lot of African Americans. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're, they're more concerned with muddying the waters and, uh, you know, sucking up to police officers uh, than they are to, uh, you know, dealing with an issue that's a big problem. So, I don't know. I think that's, that's my take on Trump voters. Yeah, yeah, they definitely get super defensive if you want to come at them about that. But you're right. I mean, even if they aren't specifically racist, you know, it's what's the difference if you also are just enabling racism? You know, it doesn't doesn't matter if you're not racist, if you're allowing it to happen, or all these other things. It's like you're you're signing up for whatever happens next if you jump on board this train. So, yeah, the Trump train. Um, yeah, thinking about some some other thing with that, uh, some other thing. I mean, oh man, I had another thought with that thing, but I'm kind of blanking on it now. Oh man, we have to edit this part, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't imagine how much trouble it is for you to edit these things. <laughs> it, it's such a it's such a bitch for me even to make like one YouTube video where I edit out one five second clip or something. It's like, oh god, oh I can't do it. Oh. So I, I can't imagine how the amount of effort you put into like, you know, editing and finalizing, adding sound clips. Excuse me, um, yeah. all the stuff you got to do for these podcasts. Yeah, it's, it's a grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, man. There's something. Yeah, there's something else about. Oh yeah, I was thinking like, I think like I mean I think we need to like come up with a a series of questions. Um, cause I, you know, I, I have them in my head at different times when different issues come up, but I don't ever think about them all together. But like when you're, when you're talking to a Trump supporter or somebody who, you know, is saying like, you know, all lives matter, uh, blue lives matter, but black lives don't matter, whatever they say. And you're saying like, this person's a racist. And you say, oh, you're a racist. They're like, no, 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 I'm not a racist. I feel like there should be like a 12 question or 15 or 20 question quiz. Well, okay, well, what do you think about the Trayvon Martin shooting? Okay, what do you think about the, you know, the Rice shooting? Okay, what do you think about, you know, da 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 da? What did you think when this happened? What did you think about the, you know, I mean, just any number of incidents that had a racial tinge, and you're going to get the you're going to get the answer from them every time. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I disagree with that. Oh, I thought that was bullshit. Oh, you know. uh What's his name? The the guy who shot Trayvon Martin. George Zimmerman. Yeah, George Zimmerman. You know, yada yada yada. He he wasn't. He he did what he had to do. Self defense, standard ground. I mean, when you when you go through, and I think after you go through a half dozen of these questions with them, and, and they realize that their answer is the opposite of what any black person in America's answer would be. They're going to start to get the point that, oh, well, you know, actually every single time there's an issue where black people have a problem and I say that making a big deal out of nothing, uh, over the years it adds up to quite a number of incidents. And actually maybe I have some biases and stuff that I need to examine because I'm consistently coming down on one side of this. Mm-hmm. But, but Cha, if, they, if, these, yeah. if, if they just pulled their pants up, this wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get Bill Cosby to tell him. <laughs> oh, That's another thing. They, they, these people, they always love it. They absolutely love it when there's a black person who tells other black people how to act right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Bill Cosby or 
during the during the protests a year or two ago, I forget if it was Ferguson or where, there was that one teenage son or whatever who got got like, yep. beat up by his mother and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, she's a great mom. She just loves her son. You know, she's not going to let him go out there and be a thug and a hooligan. You know, I wish all moms could be like this. But the thing is, <laughs> I mean, they, they they like this person because this person is you know, attacking a, a young black man in a way that they are not allowed to. But there's there's just so many incidents like this where they always come down on the same side and they'll still swear up and down. Uh, I saw some story on the on the Young Turks earlier today about it was from a few days ago about this. Some guy's out, he's opening a coffee shop out west or something, but he'd been commenting on articles online or something, and he said something about how like Obama or I don't know if it was some other black person he said that. They were a monkey, and uh, he would lynch them if they behaved a certain way or something because, I don't know. And anyways, and then, like, he also said something about how, you know, uh, oh, this is the, this will be the first time that a, a white billionaire will be moving into a public housing vacated by a black family. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like this kind of stuff on Twitter. And then they asked him, they attacked him, and they said, hey, what the hell are you doing? We're going to boycott your coffee shop when it opens. Or something. He's like, oh, I'm not racist. They all say, they all swear up and down, they're not racist. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I almost have a grudging respect for people that just come out and own their racism, and they're just like, yeah, I'm racist, I'm in the Klan, or what, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, at least, at least accept the social consequences for your, you know, the courage of your convictions, or whatever, I just hate this covert, I'm a nice person, but I'm also, like, a terrible racist, but if you call me one, I'm gonna get super offended, you know, it's like, pick a side, you know, just, if you're gonna be racist, just, just live with it, you know, live out in the open so we can all identify you, you know, stop trying to live, you know, this decent, quote-unquote decent life where we have to treat you like a normal person, you know. Yeah, well, at some point, the the term racist has been universally agreed that it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And it must have been, I don't know when it happened exactly, if it was the 90s or when, but Basically, everybody agreed that it's not a good thing and you don't want to be called that. But there's a lot of people out there in America or around the world even who, you know, they still want to, in all in all aspects, they want to be racist, basically, but they don't ever want to be identified that way. So, And I, I think even, like, some of the Klan people, they're going to say, you know, I mean, David Duke, what, I, I saw one or two interviews with him and stuff where he was like, um, you know, I don't know. He's he's saying, you know, there's exceptions. Like, there are some... I don't hate the black people. I just think we should live separately from them and stuff. I think that would be better for them and for us. You know, I I care about them. Or, you know, 
I don't hate all the Jews just because the Jews control the media and stuff. I mean, it's just like, I mean, they're all trying to split hairs, even even like former Grand Wizard of the KKK. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's a, it's a pretty... Pretty depressing outcome mm-hmm. for the nation and the world. Oh yeah. So um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, you want to talk about some music or something? Sure, man. What what music uh, are you thinking about? Oh, uh, not really much. Anything. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think about how how do we how do we bring this podcast back to a happy place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's it's a dark. It's a dark period. I don't know if there's uh, any getting around it. But um, any uh, is there any K-pop we should know about? Uh, I need to ask my students that (laughs) because I I don't know. Like I've said before, I just I don't keep up with the K-pop very much. I think there's a guy named Zico, like Z I. C-O or Z-I-K-O or Z-Y-K-O or something. He's got a few songs that are really catchy and like when I when I hear them somewhere, I always forget who he is but then I shazam and it's like, oh yeah, it's that guy. Well, mm-hmm. He seems pretty good. He's kind of got a kind of a hip hop vibe and stuff but it's pretty good, I think. So I can't think of any song titles off the top of my head but um, right. that would be one. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, I heard that Eminem released a new song that was anti-Trump a few weeks, a few months before the election there. Hmm. I didn't ever hear it, though. I need to, like, YouTube it or something. Yeah, same here. I think I heard about it. I just didn't hear it, yeah. And uh, I appreciate that that Eminem gets political sometimes, and that he's clearly anti-crazy Republican. Mm-hmm. But I think he needs to stop releasing these songs before elections, because I remember he did the same thing to Bush <laughs> in 2004, mm-hmm. or 2003, 2004, right before the election there, and Bush won, and now he did it to Trump. <laughs> Trump won, so, uh, he's not, he's not really helping the cause, Eminem. apparently. <laughs> no, his heart's in the right place. Yeah, right. <laughs> And um, what about, okay, what about uh, Michael Moore? Because Michael Moore, everybody's treating Michael Moore like a, like a prophet right now for predicting that Trump would win. Mm-hmm. One of the things yeah. I've been concerned about this week is that we're all sitting, as you refer to, the bubble. We're, we've been sitting in our bubble having a good laugh at this total, as you said, shit show. Uh, but, but the truth is, is that this plays to a lot of people that he has to win uh, to become the next president. And, and I have to say, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry to have to kind of be the, the buzzkill here so early on, but I think Trump is going to win. I, I'm sorry. You know what? Yeah. I, boo if you want. I am glad you're saying it. I'm Everybody so, should say, say that. No, no. The, the, the enemy is complacency. Yeah. Yes. I, say it every day. I live, Not only could, he, he certainly in, could win. I live in and, Michigan. Let me tell you. Let me right. tell you. But what he's no. this he's gonna it's gonna be the Brexit strategy. The the middle of England is Michigan, Wisconsin, right. Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And Mitt Romney lost by sixty-four electoral votes. The total electoral votes of those four states in the Rust Belt, sixty-four. Yeah. All he has to do is win yeah. those four states. And I'm telling you, I was there during the Michigan primary and he went there in front of the Ford and he said, 
I'm telling you right now, they moved this factory to Mexico. I'm right. putting the right. tariff but on the cars, and that's it. And it was music to people's ears, and more people in Michigan in the Michigan primary voted Republican than Democrat in the in the primary this year. Except, that should be a disturbing that wasn't the message. And I don't know. I don't know if he, it's a matter of he was a prophet or if it's a matter of he was just being very contrarian and he happened to get lucky. Yeah, I think there's an yeah, element to that. Got lucky. I do remember yeah, um, I, he, he had that big thing about how Trump was going to win and people were, oh, no, he won't. And now, like you said, he's being treated like, a, you know, some sort of shaman or whatever. But um, honestly, like, uh, I think if it had gone the other way, I mean, he was already starting to do this before the election, but he kind of was like, oh, you know, people are crediting me with getting out the vote and, you know, scaring people and showing them the real reality of it. And, you know, if it, I think he would have played it the other way, too, if Hillary would have won. You know what I mean? I think he would have said, oh, you know, I, I spurred people yeah. on to, to victory or whatever. And, you know, good thing we, you know, listened to me because otherwise it could have been really bad. And, you know, I, I think I think either way there's a way yeah. for him to take credit. You know, I, I'm a fan of Michael Moore. I even say that as somebody who likes his stuff. I haven't seen his new Trump land thing or whatever yet, but yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah, I'll watch it though. But um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like um, I think I mean I think there was a certain lack of risk for him to take that position mm-hmm. because if he's wrong and Hillary wins, then he can just say, hey. This was a time when I'm very happy to be wrong. Exactly. You know, so, so nobody can say, well, what the hell were you predicting? Are you crazy? He never had a chance. He said, well, you know, I think he did, and he did, but I'm glad I was wrong this time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so there's, mm-hmm. there's a certain, like, kind of a hedging that you can automatically do when you take that position. So Right. But he was right, so... But I don't know, I'll say, like, I've kind of soured on the guy a little bit over the past few years. I mean, I rewatched. I mean... Let's see, I watched, which of his movies did I watch? What has he released since Fahrenheit 9-11 and Sicko? Um, let's see. He had one other one a couple of years ago, it seems like, that I watched recently. Oh, uh, uh, I can't uh yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, God, what is the name of that? I didn't see it, but it was, uh, it was, it just came out this last year. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. But yeah, shoot. What is the name of that? Where to invade yeah, next? Yeah, Where to invade next? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that one, and I think I felt like. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes, like the. the I think. The, oh, oh! Capitalism, he, a love story, he, was the other one. Yeah, the capitalism, a love story. Yeah, that's the one. I'm, yeah, that's the one it was, and, and it, I feel like he's kind of. Ever since his first movie, he's kind of fallen into this thing where he tries to go for the big confrontation. And he, you know, why can't I be here? Oh, they're kicking me out. They're kicking me out. Like George Bush or something. He's like, <laughs> they won't let me in the building. Right. Uh, you know, what do you mean I can't record here? I, I'm Michael Moore. Do you know who I am? It's like, <laughs> but I, I just feel like the, I, I feel like the kind of the, the intentional naivete or whatever, where he's like, what do you, well, why wouldn't they let me do this? I, I'm just going to ask some questions. <laughs> It's like, come on, <laughs> come on! They know what you're after. <laughs> and you showed up unannounced with a camera crew and just want to barge in, and then are all surprised when they don't let you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and I, I rewatched Fahrenheit 9/11 a couple of years ago too, and I was like, I don't know. There were there were parts of it that were that felt 
much more manipulative than they did back in 2000, 2003, 2004 when it originally came out. I mean, it was a very affecting movie mm-hmm. of me when it came out. I remember coming out of the theater after I saw it, and I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. No, it must have been 2004, 2005, because it was after the Mission Accomplished thing. I remember that. Now. Uh-huh. But, um, I, no, it, it must have been... God, yeah, it must... Okay, when Mission Accomplished, was that late 2003? Because I think that this, this one came out after Mission Accomplished, but before Bush got reelected. Well, I know it so came it out before Bush got reelected. Because yeah, I so remember... It like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Late 2003-something. Yeah. So... But I just remember, like, when I rewatched it, I, some parts of it felt like, you know, just kind of the wide-eyed, intentional naivete and stuff, and that kind of the, the emotional manipulation at times was a little bit on the nose, I felt. So. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm glad he's out there, and he's a smart guy, and he's often right on the issues, basically, but, but he can be a little bit galling, I think. <laughs> So. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, pop culture relating to the the election. Yeah, right. So. Anyways, yeah. I well, anyways, I don't know too much else right now. I I need to catch up on the news and stuff some more. But um. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. <laughs> uh, we're entering a brave new world, as the expression goes. Yeah. Well, maybe we can uh, try to focus our, our conversations on something less political going forward, because it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty hairy time. I don't know. It's. Uh, I felt like it was a little more urgent for us to talk about the election when it was still like, "What's going to happen?" And now it's like it's happening. And it's like, well, <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine, it's happening. Yeah. I don't know. I think. I think. Um, I don't know. I think there's still a role for voices against uh, the the insanity of Trump. Is, is still going to be a role. And I think. I think when when we get to things like where people are trying to work with the guy or something, I do think people need to be reminded that, to the degree that people listen to us, <laughs> I think people need to be reminded what a horrible person this guy is. And just, you know. So I, I don't know. We'll, I'm sure we'll see where what our role is going forward. Yeah. Well, it's just it's kind of disheartening with uh, the fake news on Facebook and stuff and, and all that. With Oh, yeah, that's that's been a hot issue now, too, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, as a, as a journalist, it's a really disheartening time to try to tell people facts because it's like everyone has their own set of facts, and usually it's you know, completely wrong, you know, so, you know, it's, it's not like people yeah. have one side of, of reality to, to work from anymore, but at the same time, I feel like journalism is more important than ever in certain ways, but it's also like, I feel like it's going to be harder to do than ever too, so. I, I think that, I think the major journalism, you know, the big networks need to forget about access. Yeah. Um, Stop trying to get access to the White House. Don't worry about that. Do the reporting. Report the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. There's going to be bad stuff, and there has been. Don't worry about if you're ever going to get another interview with Donald Trump or not. Um, Because, yeah, I think that's something that's crippled mainstream journalism is that um, people don't really want to call a, a, what do they call it, call a... Spade a spade. A spade a spade. They don't want to call a spade a spade because... And, 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 like, I mean, like, okay, for example, like Donald Trump with Alex Jones. 
and Donald Trump calling and thanking Alex Jones. And Donald Trump saying maybe he's going to come on Alex Jones' show again. Bottom line, I'm really excited about what's happening. The fact that Trump, without me asking, I wasn't calling up his chief of staff, got a cell phone number of the guy that is his, uh, well, his, his chief advisor, Bannon. I wasn't bugging people, wasn't calling Trump, wasn't asking for interviews. Boom, Donald Trump calls me. Secretary says, Donald Trump would like to talk to you, Mr. Jones. You'd like to talk to him? Yes, boom. Very gracious. The media is crapping themselves. He ignores them. This is the media tried to destroy Trump. But is it about how I want access or I'm not asking, make an InfoWars reporter, uh, you know, access to the White House briefing room. Why? Just so they can be on TV? I just want to be able to cover things and have real questions be asked. And I, 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 I mean, you know, sure. The point is we're not even jockeying because we've already got our own media system that's beating them. But to now see hundreds of articles flipping out about, oh, my God, oh, my God, is Alex lying or did Donald Trump talk to him? He's been on the show. They can't stand that we're breaking with them. And the more we break with them, they'll go from almost collapsed to completely collapsed, like I say, Count Dracula at high noon into dust, if Trump absolutely starts pulling away from them because he doesn't need them. They're going to be his enemy. Everything they do is twist against him. Uh, and I think he's balanced it well, but he shouldn't give up his Twitter like they keep saying. They want him to stop communicating. They want him to stop being the first real president in decades. If, if I'm a journalist and I have an interview with Donald Trump, I'm going to say to him, uh, you've been connected to Alex Jones. And, well, he's, you know, he reaches a lot of people or whatever, whatever Donald Trump wants to say about the guy. I'm going to say, well, he's also a 9-11 truth to my, he's a 9-11 truth. And he said that the Sandy Hook shooting was a false flag and that all those kids didn't die. And what do you say to the families of people who, you know, lost somebody in a shooting like that? Mm -hmm. uh, what, as a president, what are you going to say to the victims of the next mass shooting, the first mass shooting that happens under your administration, when you have to console the families as the commander-in-chief? And Alex Jones is saying it never even fucking happened. Mm -hmm. That's a question. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a question for the guy because he's, because he can't, you can't avoid that. You have to say, well... Okay, I, I disagree with some of the things that he says, or you're going to have to say, well, no, he's right about the same deal. You know, whatever you say, that, that, that's the kind of question that's going to have to cleave him away from this guy will make him latch on tighter. So I think, uh, I, I mean, I think uh, journalists have to get that, that mentality that if I get an interview with Donald Trump, it's going to be my last interview with the guy. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to go after him hard. Yeah, I and think... I think uh, it has to be their attitude going in. Yeah. Uh, Amy Goodman from uh, Democracy Now! had a phrase for that I heard once. She called it the access of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an appropriate term, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what our journalism can do, but I, I'm not holding out a lot of hope. Because yeah. Signed by some pretty uh, crappy rules, I think, and they're not doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh... So, anyways, we'll see. We'll see if we get any Alex Jones follower hate. <laughs> in this Some info, info warriors. Did you see his videos he did right before the election? He did the several videos right before the election. Uh, it was amazing. And one of them, he's he's like this African American staffer of his is like following around about something, talking about something, and he starts saying, "Hillary is great." I love Hillary. I love Hillary. I love Hillary. He's shaking his head or something at the same time, like he's like trying to resist the programming or something. And he's like, "No, come on, Alex, she's corrupt." And then he rips off his shirt and he's running around screaming in his in his, uh, his area. Um, it's amazing. And, 
just like he had a string of incidents right before the election that were quite epic. All right, now this is take one of the Second Amendment piece. Uh, I'm going to do a dry run here so everybody's good, the audio. Okay, let's start. Okay. Hillary Clinton is going to be your Democratic nominee. Now, Mrs. Clinton is a very conservative right, person. Joe, Travis, you guys, you gotta come help me, man. What, Alex what, is freaking what's, out. What's, what's I, don't, I don't know what he's doing. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Right, he lost his mind or something. But, I mean, I've never seen him do this before. It's totally out of character. Help! Help, guys, help! Come on, come on, come on, come on. What's happening? Oh my God, it's my Alex, what's going on here? What are you doing? by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Don't let this happen to you. Get your Hillary for Prison t-shirt today. Yeah, because I'm hinge. <laughs> so. Definitely. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, hopefully good things for journalism in 2017. Yeah, there'll be plenty, plenty to write about, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well... I don't know. Did you have anything else? Or? No, no, that's that's okay. that's all I had. But um, well, stay safe over there in Korea with the uh, <laughs> threat of martial law hanging over here. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Probably won't happen, but maybe it will. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep you posted. All right, as long as the internet access holds up over here on our end. <laughs> yeah, if they don't if shut down our broadcast down first. Monday. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Bob, have a good night there, and I'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you soon. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Bye. Yeah. Bye. -bye.